Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James and today I am delighted to be joined by a guest. Welcome to the show, Dr. James Gray. Thanks so much for coming on today. It's a pleasure to be here. Do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us about uh, you. By all means. So I'm Dr. James Gray. I'm the course director for the Physician Associate uh, Masters at the University of Sheffield up in Yorkshire. Um, I'm also in charge of uh, admissions to the medical school generally here. I have had a very eclectic career before I came into academia. I uh, did jobs in medical management as well as um, having been a GP clinically uh, for some time. And I still maintain that working as a GP one day a week, as well as my academic role. Um, alongside my work at the University of Sheffield, I am the research subgroup lead for the PA Schools Council and frequently interact with my colleagues through the PA Schools Council, through the national examination and other fora when I get the opportunity. Wow. Okay. How on earth do you fit all of that into your working week? That seems like a lot. Good planning. Good planning. I uh, like to keep myself busy. And somebody once said to me, if you want something doing, give, give it to a busy person. <laughs> Bless you. Can I ask you, for, from a physician associate point of view, what your history is with the PA profession? When did you first sort of hear about the idea of PAs? What got you interested and involved in setting up and running the course at Sheffield? So I think it's worth reflecting back that my background prior to becoming an academic particularly involved working with ambulance services. And I was medical director of East Midlands Ambulance Service and uh, assistant medical director at Yorkshire Ambulance Service prior to that. So throughout my career, I've worked with uh, medical allied professionals, um, paramedics, emergency care practitioners and the like, and been involved in their training and supporting delivery of services. So when I shifted across into academia, um, the opportunity was given to me to set up and run the physician associate course at the University of Sheffield in 2016. And I'll be honest, I didn't know that much at the time. I was aware of uh, physician assistants in the US um, and had a little bit of a understanding about the then UK programme to try and bring some physician associates across. But in the greater scheme of things, I had to get myself up to speed very quickly but I personally have always been very supportive of a plurality of professions within the NHS, um, essentially looking to put square pegs in square holes and make sure that um, through a number of different professions, we are able to deliver great care for patients. I also believe quite strongly that um, purely relying on the existing workforce is potentially challenging and I saw physician associates as a great way to bring a whole new cohort of people into the NHS who otherwise may not have been able to do so. Fab. How have things grown and developed and changed sort of broad brushstrokes a question I guess what have you noticed in your several years of sort of steering the PAs in your patch? So I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is with our first cohort who started in September 2016, they were taking a chance on us as much as we were taking a chance on them. Whereas I think now we're seeing that physician associates has become a very positive 
option for careers for for many different people. So whilst our early cohorts may have been those who'd perhaps heard about the profession and thought, actually, that sounds like it could work for me, I'll give it a punt. Now we're seeing a situation where there are more and more PAs working around the region in both secondary and primary care who are starting to provide that role modelling, which is increasing the profession's profile and consequently increasing um, interest and applications to courses. Sheffield Hallam run a PA course as well mm-hmm. next to Sheffield. So you've, you're, you've got Leeds as well, mm-hmm. not, not too far away, haven't you? That are producing a lot of PAs in your patch. Have you found that the applicants to the course are changing? Is it much younger now, sort of straight out of biomedical degrees that are coming through, or are you still bringing in a myriad of different types of people that are coming into the profession? I'd say it's a mixed economy. Obviously, yes, we have Shefford Hallam. Uh, literally just down the road, uh, we have Leeds up the M1. We have Hims not far away as well, and uh, relatively geographically close, but might as well be a million miles away given the transport links. We have Manchester um, over Pennines as well, of course. Um, so, despite that, we are producing physician associates who are all getting jobs, um, and of course, one of the challenges for all of us is ensuring that. That remains the case. We don't have the benefits of a foundation programme or anything similar. It is an open job market for physician associates. And therefore, we as universities will always focus on ensuring employability for our students. Um, I do get asked by people, well, will Sheffield expand their numbers? We are very successful in the national exam and as a course overall. Our position is that, um, one, we need more physical space to expand uh, because of the nature of our course and the way we we run it. Um, But secondly, we don't want to overproduce graduates who then cannot get jobs, and particularly those who want to get jobs locally. So it's an important balancing act for us to strike, um, because I think in common with many areas around the country, we're not necessarily seeing uh, trust particularly trust workforce plans developing those roles as quickly as we would like so we have to ensure that balancing act but we don't have any direct competition with Sheffield Hallam we have a good dialogue with them um, and certainly there is a place for both the NHS long-term workforce plan has has just been published recently and I think we're all probably taking time to digest what that means. One of the things that's grabbed my attention from it is the expansion in PA training numbers that's predicted. So if we're producing somewhere in the region of 800, 900 through the national exam a year at the moment, they want to take it up to 1400 uh, by 2036, 37. You mentioned expansion. We've also got things like the physician associate apprenticeship uh, coming into post as well. What do you think the consequences might be of overproducing PAs if 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 supply of PAs suddenly flips and uh, produces more PAs than there are jobs for? Will people end up in talent pools like happened to the physios in the early 90s? Yeah, I think that's certainly a risk. 
you will potentially see a degree of brain drain as well. We are already seeing New Zealand recruiting UK physician associates. It's possible with GMC regulation that that will open up other uh, overseas markets as well. So I think that would be an issue. It will potentially, of course, reduce the attractiveness of the profession. Um, but what we need to ensure is that the workforce plan is matched with individual provider plans. Um, the problem with the workforce plan is it can feel a little bit field of dreams, build it and they will come. Um, speaking with a general medical school hat on, um, it's all very well wanting to increase places, but we need physical infrastructure in which to train these people. Um, I'm talking about physician associates and doctors. Um, we need um, the finances to follow it. We need placement space, which was already at a significant premium um, to ensure an effective um, outcome for our students when they go on clinical placement. An apprenticeship, apprenticeship is an interesting one. Um, I can see it's significant attraction for potential PA uh, apprentices to go into the profession in terms of the financial aspects of it. I can see significant challenges from an HEI perspective in the way that it's set up. And of course, it is entirely reliant on the hospital trusts wishing to do it, or indeed the GPs wishing to do it. Um, at a personal level, it's not something we as a university are currently focused on, um, but we will watch the pilots with great interest. Mm, me too. It's uh, in our region in the east of England. Uh, there are no HEIs that have decided to go for it yet. And I think we're all sort of watching to see the logistical hurdles and the teething problems that are inevitable with setting something like that up, how they may be overcome. One of the hot topics for physician associates at the moment, certainly if you look on Twitter and, and social media, med Twitter, the deepest, darkest depths of Reddit, is doctors sometimes feeling that their training opportunities are being crowded out in favour of anaesthesia associates and physician associates taking their opportunities. And I'm, I'm assuming this is perhaps more relevant for qualified staff rather than medical students and PA students. How do you, you sort of alluded to it, lack of placement opportunities and capacity and space and physical space being issues. How do you ensure in running a medical school that everybody's getting equal opportunity and, and are working together and learning together effectively? One of the first things is ensuring effective coordination with the trusts and with the GP practices. One of the advantages of having a relatively small PA course, albeit a fairly large medical course, is that we have very good relationships through our students who are very good at feeding back to us where there are challenges which we can then address. The fact that we have a very established relationship with our local providers allows us to ensure that placements are well coordinated and that equal opportunities are provided to our PA and medical students. Though there will always be some tensions, everybody wants that sudden blood gas that they want to get for their clinical logbook and other such things. Um, so there's always going to be a little bit of that. In terms of the postgraduate element, it's a really interesting issue. And I think it's it's more of an issue. It's, it's primarily a secondary care issue. It's not a primary care issue. PAs working in primary care 
to be honest, are working as part of the clinical team alongside other primary care clinicians. I don't think that really has quite the same impact. Where we're seeing anxieties are amongst junior doctors in secondary care who are concerned that qualified physician associates are doing things that they should otherwise be doing. I would flip that round and say one of the great advantages to having physician associates as a permanent part of a clinical team, which really other than the consultant in the medical team are the only other clear, consistent person, is that they can develop those skills and then pass those skills on to the junior doctors. And I see uh, alumni of mine who have developed some of those skills and are teaching them and actually providing those training opportunities for junior doctors. One of the big challenges is therefore the the way that junior doctor training is set up um, and without getting political, it's part of the same issues with the debates and rhetoric that's been about pay. This is not an issue about the PA profession or PA pay scales, which are all nationally determined and have a very set structure for all NHS health professionals other than doctors and dentists, essentially. And for me, the question should actually be go for the medical profession going back and saying, is the current model of training appropriate and effective? Is four-month rotational blocks actually ever going to be long enough to allow you to develop um, those sort of skills at to an appropriate level? My suspicion is the answer is probably no. Six months barely felt long enough when I was a junior doctor, um, and now it's been shortened again. So um, for me, the debate should not be about physician associate versus doctor. I believe very strongly that there's more than enough work to go around. Um, my view is that it should be about the medical profession um, revisiting um, what it is doing and going, actually, is it fit for purpose? And I, I suspect it probably isn't. That brings me on to then asking about how we might answer some of those questions one of the questions you posed was around what is the right length of training for mm -hmm. foundation doctors i mean that's not for me as a pa to to get to have an opinion on mm -hmm. necessarily but we do need research into the profession whether that's doctors and, and especially with pas being a new profession research evidence asking these questions and sort of proving how many PAs are, is the right number of PAs, are PAs safe, are were they effective and accepted by patients and clinicians? We need that, that body of research in, in the literature coming through. Do you want to talk about your role in terms of the research group um, and how that is coming together? By all means. So the, the first thing to say is that whilst I'm the lead of the research subgroup, it is very much a group and it's very much about my colleagues who are in that group, not just about me as the uh, the nominal leader of, of the group. And um, the focus of the research subgroup is, is twofold, really. One is to support research as a conduit for those who wish to undertake research in uh, physician associate, either education or the workforce, um, to act as a link between them and us as the universities and the providers of training and because that includes not only our students but often our alumni as well um, because all of us often have good information about our alumni and good details there the second is to promote research that is out there 
and promote research that is coming through and particularly from the UK arena, because some of those things you mentioned, there is a plethora of research already from the US and, and within the US uh, literature. However, there is significantly less in the UK literature. And it is also then the final thing for me is being able to support potentially early career physician associate researchers, those who wish to um, start along an academic route, potentially in research, and those those are slowly evolving. Potentially, these are people who can look for support, look for collaboration through the research subgroup. Uh, one of the things we are trying to do is encourage, say, look, this is what we can we can offer as skills. The you know your next PhD viva examiner, those sort of things, as well as of course. Um, running the Physician Associate Educators Conference every year where we look at best practice and research in particularly PA education, though it may go wider into the post-qualification workforce where it has a significant impact on education. Well, now that seems fascinating to me. I have a really strong interest in that kind of area and asking questions about PA's impact in the workforce are there sort of key bits of research that are out there at the moment about physician associates and sort of seminal studies or really high quality sort of papers that you've read that you would suggest it would be good for PAs to be aware of and have a working knowledge of perhaps when they're having seeing these conversations on Twitter and, and uh, seeing all of the arguments made against PAs is are there studies and things that you would point people to go to read to find out a bit more I would always be cautious about directing people to specific research I think it's important that people read research and make sure they critique it um, one of the challenges we know is we see these discussions on uh, social media and the like and people actually are perhaps not good at effectively critiquing that research and going actually can I take this at face value or do I need to perhaps question some of the findings and um, conflicts of interest and ulterior motives even if not explicitly stated in terms of directing to a specific seminal paper or similar I'm not sure I necessarily would I think the most important thing is keeping um, pe people keeping their eye to the ground in terms of research that comes out. And perhaps that's something that we as a research subgroup would need to be doing is as we see information coming through is promoting that through social media. Um, probably Facebook threads these days, isn't it? Twitter is so, so last week now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, whatever the appropriate uh, format is, um, promoting that potentially with a link to some critique if that's the appropriate thing to do to support people's understanding recognizing that there will always be some people who will refuse to accept what is in any research and that research itself may show different opinion within it and you can get some research that'll be pro and some research that'll be against um, it's the old joke about um, if you put all the things the Daily Mail said, says causes cancer and helps prevent cancer side by side, they're an almost identical list. Um, certainly, you know, if you take red wine, for an example, you can read studies that will say it's bad for you and studies that can say it's good for you. So um, we have to ensure that 
um, what we're doing is potentially providing guidance to people around that literature. It'd be something I'd be really interested in to do more with the podcast as well, to sort of mm-hmm. highlight the research, you know, discuss the findings, whether they're good, bad, pro, anti-PA, mm-hmm. some criticisms and explanation of the findings. It'd be really interesting to know what's out there um, and sort of publicise it more. I also make a magazine, PA magazine, um, and, you know, research done by PAs or about PAs yeah. would be really interesting articles to write up. So. Yeah, and, and certainly it would for something like that, encouraging uh, PAs to take a paper and review it in a structured way and bring send that in to you for your magazine, I think would be really good, not least because it helps develop those critical uh, review skills, which are so important when we look at any evidence that is out there. Um, because, as I say, you can get 10 different opinions on 20 different things um, or in medical terms are more likely 20 different opinions on three different things. <laughs> Show the same ECG to all of your colleagues. You'll get as many different answers as there are colleagues. So. Absolutely. If PAs are interested in finding out a bit more about research, maybe wanting to plan their own research projects or mm-hmm. find out more about funding or what's out there in terms of support for PAs and research, where would you point people to go to find out a bit more information? So one of the first things I'd always encourage them to do is speak to their original university where they studied. They're going to know you. They're going to know your strengths and weaknesses. They're going to be able to advise you if there's anything going on locally. We know a lot of PAs remain where they were trained. Um, But also, even if you have moved, your HEI will almost certainly be happy to have as an act as an advocate for you to the HEI more local to where you are now. So that would be the first thing I would I would say. In terms of formal research opportunities, clearly um, that can sometimes be about looking at uh, fellowships and things like that. And um, some of that can come through doing sort of postgraduate research type courses and physician associates with a master's obviously are in a position to move on to sort of doctorate study um that's really an individual decision of course because inevitably that's not cheap there's always a cost attached to these things but of course the great advantage of doing that is it will help develop your research skills in a very systematic way um, which will allow you then to progress potentially into a research career with with that experience, having worked in a potentially a research team. Um, so I, I would say that if people who are very serious in research, certainly looking at a, a, a doctorate study uh, beyond their master's at whatever point in their career um, is probably the best way to do that. I'd also say that it should never be uh, thought of as a problem to approach the local research department. If you're working in an acute trust, speak to the local research department. If you have ideas about research you'd like to do, speak to them and see what they um, can suggest. They may have some links. They may have some ideas about people to speak to who may be able to facilitate you doing some research, potentially to a sort of lower level, um, you know, rather than some huge NIHR sponsored research project. Um, but at a level of potentially producing a short report or something that can potentially add to the body of literature, but in a structured 
and well thought out way rather than very ad hoc um, and most importantly whatever you do research wise making sure that you've got ethics um, and the guidance on that and also making sure that you publish and you know many of us write things that will never get into formal publications but there are pre-print sites and similar way you can publish these things so they're out there and available for everyone to see and I like many others have uh, papers on those sort of sites which will never see the light of a journal um, but will always be available for people and, and publishing research is, is an ethical responsibility. Fantastic well, that's uh, given me something to think about and I'm sure will have sparked off some ideas and, and interests for PAs and PA students and, and others who might be listening to this podcast episode soon and really appreciate that no problem brilliant thank you Dr Gray thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today I really appreciate you giving up your time no problem at all my pleasure and thanks to you for listening as well like I say I hope it's given you some food for thought and some interesting ideas to think about um, physician associate research in the future if you've got an idea for a future episode of the PA podcast or if you've read an interesting paper and you'd like to suggest it as a topic I would love to hear from you please get in contact with me at PA Podcast UK on social media. And I hope you'll join me again for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Precision Associate Podcast.